Welcome to Mincast, the podcast by the Linux Mint community for all users of Linux. This is episode 387.5, recorded on Sunday the 15th of May 2022. From over the moon, I'm Norbert. In the land of women's rights, I'm Joe. Hey everyone, I'm Bill. For the Linux nerds, uh, we have an interesting idea. We, we try and explore our ideas about if we were to develop our own distros, if each of us were to do their own distro, what would it, what would those distros be like? What components uh, would they be built of? What defaults would they have? And I personally like the idea of uh, a distro having two versions, one with a more high spec desktop environment and one with a more res- and one with a more resource heavy desktop environment and what with a lighter desktop environment. For example, what, what Zorin and Min do, because Zorin has uh, their flagship the version has Nob, and they also have the light XFC version. And because I really like XFC, I wanted to start with this idea. And I was thinking in, in more realistic terms, something that's more doable and more uh, ambitious terms. So the more realistic one is just what most people do, they take a base, a distro base, and build up on that. And uh, there are a bunch of Debian and Arch-based distros, but what there isn't a lot of is Fedora-based distros. And because I'm running Fedora, if I ever were to develop my own distro, it would probably be based on Fedora. And what I would like to do is have a Fedora-based distro that has a lot of stuff set up by default that would make it more accessible to average users because Fedora is very close to being user, new user friendly, but there's just some additional setup you have to do, like adding additional repositories. So that's something I think an unofficial Fedora based distro wouldn't have to face the legal issues that because Fedora itself doesn't include uh, specific libraries and codecs in their repos and there's that need those. So for example, media players, because Red Hat is based in the US and I think there's some, there would be some legal issue with them, including those. So, but you can just add that as a user. And I think if someone would make a Fedora based distro, there's, uh, there's, uh, there's, I don't know the name, I don't remember the name, but there's one, there's a gaming uh, oriented Fedora based distro. Does anyone know the name of that? No, no, Nobara. I think it's Nobara. So, I will have to look into that, but if they include, uh, I mean, it's since it's a gaming basis, so they obviously have to include uh, some non-free software by default. So, yeah, basically, I would start with a Fedora base and have the non-free repositories by default. And uh, I was thinking, so one of the desktops I would want to provide would be XFCE, and the other one I was thinking maybe Budgie, the GTK-based Budgie, because. We don't really know what the the Budgie 11 will look like, but I think Fedora doesn't have Budgie in their repos, so I could just go the GNOME route and uh, use or maybe develop some uh, extensions. Like for example, the I really like the Zorin uh, menu extensions that they have specifically for their desktop. So basically, I would want to make Fedora more accessible. I would want to build on Fedora and make it more accessible and it's sort of in the spirit of Zorin OS. And I'm not sure if I would uh, keep the Anaconda installer, but I'm also not very... I also don't like the... A lot of distros use uh, Calamari as their installer. So, but 
I've recently heard about a new installer that I think is developed by the GNOME team. It's just a generic OS installer that could be used by any distro and it's built on the GNOME guide, user guide, uh, interface guidelines. So it's the GTK based installer. And if I'm going to provide to GTK based desktops, then maybe it would make sense to provide a GTK based installer. And I do agree that the default Fedora installer Anaconda is not very, is not uh, as easy to understand for new users. For example, you have to click buttons at the top, but if there's, some, there's an error message, it appears at the very bottom. So when you click, you set up your account and password and you click done, there's an error message at the bottom, maybe saying that your password is too weak and you might miss it because it's just not in the middle of the screen. Uh, so basically it would be my idea of this distro would be to Fedora what uh, Gecko Linux is to OpenSUSE. Just taking a base distro, making some, doing some uh, default, uh, adding some default settings to it and making it easier to install. And one thing I really like about Zorin specifically is that how they took the GNOME Software Center, I think they forked it. And even if you, even if you are using a version of Zorin that doesn't use GNOME, it still has that software center. And I think what XFC lacks and it would benefit from is a software center. So technically, I think you could use the GNOME software center even if you are not running GNOME on Fedora. So I haven't tried on XFC, but if it's possible, I would like to keep uh, the GNOME software even on the non-GNOME version of the distro. As far as the details go, like, uh, would I use what uh, bootloader would I use? What default, what file system would be the default? I think I would use systemd boot because I, well, I, it's a personal thing. I don't really like rub and refined is not a very simple thing to set up. And I read it many, in many places that systemd boot is uh, not not about it being easy to set up, but it's less, uh, it's more straightforward the under the hood stuff, the way it uh, boots the system. I don't have a lot of experience with systemd boot, but uh, it looks, but I have tried it with PopOS and I really like the simplicity of it. And default applications, I'm not sure if I would, uh, include a lot of default applications. I like the approach of having a list in the installer too, where you can pick uh, and choose popular applications like like VLC or Chrome and stuff like that. So I really like Fedora as it is. I really like the package manager. So if I were to, I'm not a developer, but if I ever wanted to build a distro on top of Fedora, uh, the biggest question, yeah, the biggest question is the installer, because I know what it would be look like, basically just any other Linux installer, but with a, a list of applications that you can choose from. And uh, and that new uh, GTK-based installer that uh, the, one of the GNOME developers posted that I've seen, it's very early stage, but it looks interesting. So I might want to use something like that. So this was one approach. If I was thinking something more uh, grandiose, that is not as easy to achieve. And so if I were to build a distro from scratch and not base it on something else, I, uh, 
my I had the idea of building on top of Void Linux and making it more user friendly, but because Void is Void is similar to Arch in a sense that there are not a, a lot packages don't have as many uh, things configured by default as for example Debian. So if I were to build a distro from scratch, I would try to make it a rolling release because I like what Void does. It's a rolling release that tries to be very stable. So, but uh, yeah, I really like Fedora, so it would more likely I would try to build on top of Fedora. And I was thinking about a name and I really like the sound of the word Paguro, which means hermit crab in Italian. So I was really happy with this idea, but then I re- but I, I discovered that the Fedora team and Red Hat had a I think it's a bug tracking page called Pagure, and their logo is a a a snail shell. So I think it it's most it most definitely comes from the word Paguro or some sort of uh, form of hermit crab. So it turns out it's not a very original idea, but. And it would be confusing to have a Fedora-based distro called Paguro when Fedora has a website called Pagure. But I like that. Since this is just a theoretical uh, thing, uh, I like that. I would like to stick with that name for the distro. And how about you, Joe? Well, um, basically, Mint is what I would make. Um, I definitely want either a Debian or um, an Ubuntu backend, but uh, I do like having a choice in desktop, so I'd want either Cinnamon, well, I'd want Cinnamon and Mate to be available. Um, I'm also really good with Grub. I've never had any non-recoverable problems with Grub. Most of the problems that I do end up having with Grub um, in the past have been graphics driver related and that's just getting the right mode sets and everything else so that it will probably boot so then I can figure out what the actual problems are. Um, uh, I'm still a fan of System D and X11. They're both fine by me. Um, I know X11 has its security issues and a whole lot of tech debt issues due to the age and all the patching that has gone into it, but um, I like all the options that come with it that really aren't available for like Wayland yet like a lot of the screen sharing stuff I know that's in the works um, but it's not quite there yet for me um, I do sometimes like to try out different shells because they're cool but I always end up back on bash or you know corn shell um, I, I do like fish but probably would end up just using bash simply because I'm basic um, because I like my distros to work out of the box, I would definitely have proprietary codecs installed so that, you know, any video that I wanted to watch would just work. And then the other applications that I would want to be included would definitely be VLC, X2Go, server and client both. I, I'd want Chrome to be uh, installed on there. And definitely something that like Mint is missing after you install it that I would want there is Gparted. And then for like me personally, I would want Audacity to be there. And also preferably some type of like virtual machine, like um, virtual box to already be there. Uh, maybe 
maybe also a heavyweight version that would include things like Steam or and then uh, WhatsApp, Discord, Telegram, um, a- a- anything else that you can really think of. But that would be installed by all of that installed yeah, by default. Yeah, well, not necessarily installed by default either, but available to be installed like in much the way um, a couple of other applications have done it. Like Garuda has their their click to install all these different applications, but um, but Pingai had most of those installed already, and I was a fan of Pingai, and it's not a really around anymore. But um, I thought it worked pretty so well. So it's something that something like what Linux Lite has, they have a, they don't have a, a software center that has all the packages, but they have a software installer that has a list of popular and packages, just basically. And through and check what you want and yeah. click. Yeah, it's it's like uh, maybe a hundred yeah. packages, but it's a lot of uh, software like they go Yeah, from. that would definitely make things easier. But um, yeah, uh, mostly... Uh, I run cinnamon and then sometimes I'll run mate and then uh, you know I'll, I'll try out other ones but I always end up back on those too so I, I don't need much else than that and then it's interesting how we took two different approaches um, me describing how I would build a distro that I would want other people to use and you described uh, this robot that would like that would like that you would like to use. Yeah, the if I'm going to build a distro, I'm going to build it for me, and then if other people like it, then by all means they can use it. But uh, in the end, I'm going to build it for me. Yeah, I, th- I think that makes sense. A lot of distros were born yeah. that way. Well, how about you, Bill? Well, all right. So, if uh, if I were to build one, and time wasn't an element uh i think what i would do is i would come up with two uh very distinct versions of bill os um one would be based on debian one would be based on arch the debian version would be based on sid and the arch uh would be purpose-built for gaming uh and i would have separate isos for both of these for for the time being, at least, for NVIDIA NVIDIA and Mesa, much the same as you get with Pop! OS right now. Um, the... I would have... Uh, okay. Uh, I would have to say the desktop would be a choice between Mate and Gnome, which I know is strange coming from a plasma user but i think for people that are wanting to install something and keep it working the plasma update and development cadence is a bit much to keep up with all the time so i think you know either your mate if you're for somebody that's just wanting to spin something up play games on it um i think a, a choice like mate or gnome would probably be best Speaking of GNOME, I forgot to mention that I would most definitely include the App Indicators extension. Yes, the App Indicators extension, and because and because I'm a distro maintainer now, I'm going to be uh, putting much pressure on the GNOME project to incorporate that in. Because, come on, people, get over yourselves. Um, 
I sorry, I think what the best way to add the indicators you know, would be to have them in the overview. Because they don't want to put them on the panel because they don't want the panel to be crowded, which I can understand. But there's the drop-down menu from the panel that you can have the Wi-Fi and Bluetooth quick settings. Maybe it could be included there, or it could just be in one of the corners of the overview. Just yeah, something. Idea. Because there's just... I. <sighs> The other M just said, good luck with that. Yeah, I am i don't know. Just to completely avoid the topic altogether, it's just, I, I, I don't know. Well, anyway, um, I'd call the Debian version full on and the Arch version full Monty. Now, I was in a mood when I wrote this. They were that's both... What, that's what... I thought it would be full on and right on because you say you like to say right on. No, I didn't think of that. That would be so cool. Yeah, uh, maybe I'll use that for my server version. I'll get to that in a minute here. Um, they will both come with most of the basic tools you would expect to see from Mint um, or something like that. And I would provide links, install links for things like LibreOffice. And I would also offer like a more lightweight alternative because I, I doubt everybody needs a full-on, complete, chunky office suite, you know, that does everything. You know, so many distributions include that entire suite. And I don't know and if it's because there's not a real easy way of installing just the writer by itself or, or what, but... Well, to be fair, there's not a lot, not many things in, because I I just installed the entirety of LibreOffice and there's Writer and there's Calc, which I use a lot. And I guess uh, having Impress for presentations is, is nice to have. But then there's Math, Draw and Base. I guess, okay, I guess there's, I only use three out of six, so. I think the only thing that's missing that's not in parity with ms office is the uh email client yeah that which i've often thought That's that would be cool they could have an email clients they could i can't be the first person to think of that but that might be a huge undertaking for, for like, i guess it's, it's just it's just simple and easy to include everything and it is true yeah probably or if you are or if you are slack where you have everything anyway you you do have a tougher time even on Arch. It's a little tougher to just install LibreOffice Writer by itself, and that's because the the whole suite integrates with itself so mm -hmm. much. So I mean, yeah, I like just having one keyboard shortcut for opening just LibreOffice itself, where you, where I can see recently edited files yeah. of all types. And that must it's, be it's, why it's convenient. Yeah. Um. Lost my place again. Yeah, I, I would also offer more lightweight. So for somebody that just needs to open a, a word processor and maybe write a letter or something every now and then, something like Abbey Word is perfectly fine for that. Um, if you if you have absolutely no need for an office suite whatsoever. Now, in the past, I would have included, like Joe said, I would put VLC into it. Um, that was because in in the days of yore, you you might struggle to play something that had a certain esoteric codec or something in it. Nowadays, the the story is a little bit better, and it's trivial to get something to play on on uh, something a little lighter weight like celluloid or something like that. But 
you know I would leave that up to the user and I would probably just install it with the lightweight stuff um, but to get onto the server ISO because this is really the thing I wanted to touch on the most um, I would have something similar to the Debian installer that wasn't completely graphic but it was graphic enough to give a person options to help them walk through I would offer full ButterFS support in the installer just the same as you don't even know what's happening with projects like Endeavor OS they've got full ButterFS what I mean by full ButterFS support is if you choose ButterFS as your root file system it automatically creates the slash bar slash home and a couple other sub volumes without you having to do that manually and that's that's the stuff you need in order to be able to uh, do your snapshotting and all that so that would be something I would offer in the ISO and then I would also offer options to build right out of the box a complete lamp stack to, to build well, yeah, because just installing the lamp stack is half the battle, right? Yes, but you, have you would to, have to you have, you have to spell it Bill apostrophe D. Ah, uh, he can't be stopped, folks. <laughs> yeah, build. Yeah, I would offer the build D ser uh, service that could be uh, you could activate it by system control start build D. And then I will be there on your machine running in the background for the rest of your life. But yes, I would I would offer an option to get LAMP or LAMP up and running and walk you through the process of setting up the database and things like that. I don't know how I would do any of this. This is just this is just me imagining. Um and then I would also include uh, something like Cockpit. Cockpit's a uh, Red Red Hat project that uh, basically it listens on a certain port and then runs a little web interface and then you've got a complete... It gives you a complete c control panel of a server right on there from... The, uh, in a, as a web page in the browser, right? Yeah. I, I've heard that Fedora wants to transition their, in their installer to be Cockpit-based. Yeah, and it would be so, something along that lines. Or it would be just, maybe they mean, uh, when they say web-based, they mean Electron or something. I don't know. Because, I mean, it's you still have to be able to do that locally. I've read a very interesting uh, description of Electron. Someone called it ens enslaved chromium. I mean, what what else is it besides just a, a Chromium web browser with all of the other stuff stripped, the the title bar stripped off of it, and then just running your application like a web page? You know, that's that's basically it. I don't see why that has to be a bad thing. I suppose as long as as long as it doesn't have to connect to a whole lot of Google APIs in order to work. I guess it's only a bad thing because people tend to complain about Chromium in general using a lot of RAM. Sure. But computers nowadays, I mean, how much of that is an issue compared to what it might have been at one time, you know? If you can come up with a better way to do it, sure, fine. 
Um, so yeah, I'd have cockpit on there. I use cockpit on my servers here at home, and I like it. It's it's good for somebody like me. I need to be able to, and, and once this is all, the infrastructure for our show is up and running, I need to be able to administer this from the road. Uh, like if I'm in the m- mountains in West Virginia somewhere, and somebody's pings me on discord and says that they're having trouble with the server i need to be able to have access to these servers from there via wireguard which works amazingly well by the way i actually built a web server last week from the road uh via wireguard and that worked remarkably well so is it this sounds so cool. Yeah, Just managing it, a server on the road. Yeah, and cockpit is perfect for something like that because I could actually even, if I really wanted to, I could forward that port and just access that from the internet because it, it's got like a username and password thing. Uh, you could uh, use cockpit by sitting in the cockpit. I could. <laughs> he's oh, he's on fire, folks. I mean, uh, that, that that wasn't that as good. It was, I, yeah, it, but it sounded better in my head when you're already rolling, you know. Uh, so, oh, that, so that's why the rolling release. Right. There you go, kids. Uh, yeah, so the, the, the server option would be something I would be very interested in. Documentation, okay, that's that's like one of the least interesting things people like to talk about when they're coming up with a new distro but documentation i think is one of those things that people should probably pay more attention to than they do and the arch wiki is great uh it's chances are it's there whatever problem you're looking for but in some cases you have to know what you're looking for so I think there's room for a reimagination of that concept, and then alongside that, a uh, a more tutorial-based documentation uh, system that's a little bit more like um, some of the things Ubuntu has, where you okay, you've got this thing you want to do. Here's a step-by-step process that you can go through and there's a lot of things you can copy and paste and then like a okay you're ready to move on to the next step instead of having everything on this on the screen in front of you and then going into great detail about every every little step i can see how somebody might get a little overwhelmed by that and so um yeah documentation would be a big thing that i would want to focus on again this is if time and money is no is not is not even a thing uh, and again, let's imagine that money is no object and I had all the resources in the world and and I, I was able to hire talented people. The one thing I would just love to be known for is fixing the accessibility story on Linux. Um, this is a problem with no clear solution. Um and it's and it's only because we don't have the commercial imperative that uh, proprietary operating systems do. Um, we need developers that are uniquely specialized in handling the unique challenges of disabled people or people that that have certain um, 
I don't like using the word disabilities, but the people that have needs that are above and beyond or beside that which what normal people are used to. And sometimes that takes a, a level of creativity that, you know, your average developer might not have. It's it's a very niche skill set within the v- development community. And you it's... Tend to, in Linux, you tend to see sometimes features being added because the developers themselves want to have those features. Yeah. And I, re- I remember uh, Moss saying that all of the vision impaired blind people that he knows use macOS. So it's probably the, the OS that has the best uh, accessibility features. It's a chicken or egg problem because we would need, obviously, or it seems obvious to me, the best developers to come up with solutions for um, accessibility problems would be developers, like you said, that, you know, are, are developing things to suit their own needs. The problem is they're probably on Mac because those things already exist there. You know, they they have the tools. If they're developers, they've already got the tools to make these machines work for them so that they can do development on those machines. So I don't know what uh, what direction we would need to go to fix that problem. It would need it would need a joint effort, I think among a lot of very talented, very creative people. I think among the Linux desktops, GNOME might be the one that has the the best uh, accessibility, accessibility features. Well, they definitely so, have the best chance of getting the yeah. right kind of development. So it would make the most sense to uh, take what or what's already there and improve on that. So uh, improve on the GNOME accessibility features. And... Uh, I would, yeah, that that is a problem. I have no idea how to begin to solve, but it, it would be it would be a really enjoyable thing to uh, to attempt to solve, because you got to know people. I, I mean, if you started something meaningful, and you were communicating in the community about the things you were doing, people. Would, I like to think that the the thing that makes Linux unique is that we are more community community oriented than any other way of of computing in the world because this is this is more of a uh, you you have to change your way of thinking to use Linux it's it's more of a you're, you you have to shift your way of thinking from I'm going to go to the store and I'm going to buy this thing and it's just going to do the things I need. You have to shift away from that to a thinking that's more along the lines of, okay, I've got this thing and I'm going to figure out what I can on my own and then I'm going to look to the community to help me figure out the things I don't already know. And then once I figure these things out, I'm going to share that knowledge with other people that are trying to learn along the way because it's it's a... It, we are we are community when it comes to computing, and that's you know that's something I really like to stress whenever I'm trying to uh, explain how Linux works to somebody because it's it's not just it's not the same kind of word as Windows. It encompasses a few other things that uh, just buying a device and using it for the thing it was intended for. It, the whole idea of our community is a little more 
involved in that. But that's, you know, that's probably the, the number one thing I would want to work on. Even if I wasn't able to come up with something that was just, here, this is the distro for, that's got the best accessibility options, you know, if it was nothing more than making a couple of contributions that would sort of push the process along the way, you know, that would be one thing really important to me. And then if uh, Bill, o- Bill OS becomes becomes the uh distro of the year then uh that'd be fine too but anyways that's all i got the end of this discussion turned into sort of a free flowing discussion which we should try at 1.2 have an intersection where we don't prepare anything and we just talk about whatever comes up yeah it doesn't bother me Okay, then you probably won't see any of the any of our described distros be available anytime soon. But I think it was a nice idea, and uh, I guess uh, if you, I guess, but I mean, but I, hmm. I I guess taking an existing distro just building on top of it sounds easy, but I think what I think about. Uh, Building on this is that you have to maintain it and you have to provide support. So that's probably an, another whole. Be, whole uh, that's probably a, a whole different beast than just putting together a distro. But yeah, uh, let's uh, go and transition to the vibrations from the ether, and I will take, hand it over to Joe. Okay, and I do want to mention that Londoner did find that the first episode of Mintcast was on uh, 24 November 2008. Oh, so my second guess was right. And we did, well, I got one vibration from the ether. Someone emailed me. His name is um, Josue. Hi, Joe. Josue here, longtime listener and Linux user since 2005. Have you ever felt fed up with Linux? For me, it all began with the purchase of a MacBook with the M1 chip. I have always used Linux, both on my desktop PC and my laptop. I have been an advocate for open source software and follow Linux YouTube channels, podcasts, and blogs. I started with Linux Mint for a couple of years, Debian for like five years, and then I was distro hopping until I settled with Fedora for the last year and a half, to the point that all of my work-related tasks can be completed with Linux, MS Teams, Citrix Workspace, WebEx, even Citrix VPN. As a good Linux user, I was always looking to make changes, so less than a year ago, I was amazed by the news regarding the power of the M1 chips on the new Mac computers, and I wanted to change my desktop laptop peripherals to only one laptop with Thunderbolt so I can dock to my desktop monitor. I made the good, bad decision of buying the MacBook Pro with M1 chip. I didn't know at the moment that I was not able to install Linux on it, which was a terrible mistake. At first I felt tempted of selling it, however I decided to stick around and play with it. A year later I can tell you that my Mac does all that I need and more, without any issues whatsoever. The only sad part is me hearing the podcast and wanting to use Linux again. I have an old i7 8th gen Dell Optiplex which I installed Linux again. 
There is some software that I miss so badly. Caden Live, Ocular, two apps that I use regularly and I've not been able to install on the Mac laptop. Can you believe that I find software that is on Linux but not in other platforms? I bought another Dell Latitude i5 10th Gen 16GB of RAM laptop at a good price on eBay, so I wanted to resell it and make some profit, but before selling it I installed Linux Mint and oh boy was I spoiled by the Mac so much. The bottom of the Dell was very hot. Fans were not loud, but I was just not used anymore to hearing fan noises. Speaker performance were just meh. I really miss Linux so badly. However, I might have been spoiled by the aesthetics and performance of the Mac laptop. I want to find inspiration or maybe even a decent laptop that convinces me to just return to Linux. For now, I will use once in a while the Dell Optiplex just to have good memories. But my main driver will remain the MacBook laptop. Thanks for reading me. Josue M. PD, good luck with the LPIC 1. I did it as well as LPIC 2 back in 2016, and it was a heck of a ride. We were 21 at first, and only me and someone else completed both certs. I did respond. Yes, I do sometimes get fed up with Linux. Um, I do also understand the appeal of having a system that just works, and the screens on all the Macs are simply epic. But I do also enjoy working with Linux and all the fun of free and open source with the extra work that goes into it. I know some guys are working on Linux for the M1, and I would love to hear how well that works. It's still early days for the project, so probably not daily driver. Also, if you still have some applications that only show up in Linux, then maybe try out a VM and let us know how that works for you. All of us on the podcast have mentioned many times that we use what works for us and we will give people crap about using Macs or Windows or Arch. We still go with use what works for you philosophy. Now, if you're looking for a specific laptop that... Um, will look good, sound good, feel good. The only real thing that I can mention that might have that similar build quality would be the Dell XPS 13, um, the newer ones. Basically any of the new ones, they will have an epic screen and an epic feel to them and um, basically they're gonna just run Linux. So, how about the System 76 I, laptops? I, I can't say anything about the System 76 laptops specifically because I've never had one in my hands. But if that's your recommendation, then yeah, that, that could work for him too. And um, I, I was just looking for things that There's... I knew had that really, really good screen the way the, the Mac does. And the M1, you know, it's going to be super silent, and it's going to be a really good processor, and eventually one day Linux will run on it. But, uh, you know, maybe I, not as smooth as Mac OS. I think anybody that starts using Linux for any reason whatsoever, you can't do it because it's the best... Option. I mean, and when I say best, I mean the easiest or the most um, performant. This is just my opinion, but I the the entire reason I've ever used Linux is because this is something I got to work on my own. 
You know, this is something I had to learn how to make work. And this is something I can be a part of its process. You know, I can, I can have direct contact with the developers. I can, I can get on a podcast and talk about it and things, you know, it's, if, those kind of things are important to you then that's you know linux is your thing but if you and and i'm not i'm not downing people for being this way but if you your only need for that machine is to fire it up and have it work 100% of the time to do this one thing that you need to do then then uh you're you're probably better off with with a mac or or windows yeah, machine yeah i mean like the first time i used linux in like 2000, 2001, somewhere in that time frame. Um, I used it for a little while, but then I ended up switching back to Windows and stayed on Windows for most of a decade and then switched back to Linux again. So it happened. It does. It might also be worth mentioning Asahi Linux, which is a distro that, that uh, it they don't today that doesn't have a stable release yet, but there is a pre-release, and their goal is to build a distro that is fully compatible with the M1 chips. So the the current release, you can install that side-by-side uh, -side with macOS on any Mac. Well, at least I, th I think you can do it on the Mac minis and the MacBooks, but there's a lot of things that don't work yet. For example, graphical GPU acceleration, but it is a way to get Linux on the M1, and it will probably improve uh, each year. So maybe in a couple of yeah. years it will be daily drivable. Um, Londoner just mentioned something that I, I was not aware of um, on the YouTube chat. If you run a VM on a M1 Mac, it will only run an ARM-based distro. They cannot run x86-based ones, at least for now. So... I, I, think, I, I think I read somewhere that they can, but it's uh, it's a performance uh, penalty. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, so they may be able to. So may have, they maybe are they maybe they are good enough to emulate x86. I'm not sure. So, so uh, we don't have anything in check this out this time. So let's head over to housekeeping and the announcements. Thank you for listening to this episode of Mintcast. If you see something that you'd like to hear about, tell us. Tell us. Send us an email at mintcast at gmail.org, right? We should be saying that email from now on. Gmail.com. Okay. So yeah. mintcast at gmail.com. Yeah. You can join us live on YouTube and all the live stream information is at mintcast.org slash livestream. You can post at the Mintcast subreddit, chat with us on Telegram, Discord, Facebook, or you can post directly at mintcast.org. Our next episode will be live at 2 p.m. US Central on the 20, 29th of, on May 29th. And our next live stream will be at 2 p.m. US Central time on the, on May 21st. And you can get these uh, dates and you can get these the times converted to your time zone via the links in the show notes. And like we said, we will be soon migrating YouTube, our YouTube channel to the, to our new, well, I guess this is not relevant. So that'll be, that'll be a transparent yeah, thing. Okay. okay so the, the YouTube channel, uh, like I said, the YouTube mm -hmm. channel will stay the same. 
And now the wrap-up. When can we find you, Joe? Well, you can listen to me on a couple other shows. I'm on the Linux Link Tech Show, which you can find at tllts.org. I'm on the Linux Lugcast, which you can find at linuxlugcast.com. You can send me an email directly, jb at mintcast.org, although I assume that has to change here shortly. And I will let you know what that's going to be next show. Because I don't want emails getting lost because I get so many emails <laughs> on my main email. I'm I'm gonna keep that going. I think every I think every, uh, I think everyone could just send emails to the mintcast at gmail.com if they want to message someone, one of the hosts because yeah. uh, that it, so everyone can see everything. That well, you can you can set up the same kind of forwarding. Well, I, that you were using with mintcast.org. Like me, I have had people that emailed me and specifically said, hey, don't share this. Um, just, they just okay. wanted a conversation between me and them. So at the very okay. least, I will have an email up there. And then... Okay, so I, we will have, for the next episode, we should probably update our uh, contacts uh, so everyone should write there, provide a private email address for the, for the yeah. wrap-up. And then yeah. um, I do have okay. a Kofi link in there. And then Moss, who was not able to make the show today, if you want to catch him, you can catch him at Full Circle Weekly News, um, Distro Hopper's Digest, uh, Bard Moss at PM.me. Um, the contact. He's clever. He already has a a yep. private email. I, I don't think his. I think yeah. his um, uh, Mintcast email went away a while ago. And we just never brought it back. And then there's contact info on It's Moss, and you can ke- catch him at, at Zavala at hostux.social. And I assume that's, that's, a, that's I assume that's a Mastodon uh, profile because it starts mm-hmm. with an at symbol. Okay, and Bill? Okay. Well, you can you can email me at my good old wchauser at gmail.com. I'm Bill underscore H on Discord, at WCHauser3 on Twitter, and I'm WCHauser3 on Facebook. Also, check out my, I say new podcast, uh, but it's not really all that new. Uh, check out Three Fat Truckers. Uh, check us out on 3ftpodcast.org. Um, and a quick plug for Moss's Full Circle Weekly News. That's got to be one of my mo- one of my favorite news podcast it's quick it's he gets a heck of a lot of information out there a lot of headlines so if you're just wanting the the quick and dirty and uh, move on with your day i i really recommend his show so how about you norbert well i would say that you can send me an email at norbert at mincast.org but since these emails are going away i should uh, set up a I will have to figure this out, but uh, I do read the Midcast Telegram group regularly, so in the meantime, if you want to get in touch with any of us, by the way, uh, I I really like the the Midcast Telegram community, so you should check that out. And Nishant couldn't join us today, but you can send him an email at nishant at midcast.org for the time being. You can find him him as Ghost on Instagram, Ghost at GitHub, Ghost.recon on Discord and Maverick00783 at Steam. Before we leave, we want to make sure to acknowledge some of the people who make Mintcast possible. Josh Lowe for all of his work on the website, Hopstar for our logo, 
Initardi for the animated Discord logo, and Londoner for our time sync. Tony Hughes for our audio editing of the show, Archive.org for hosting our audio files, and finally, and the Linux Mint and the Linux Mint development team for the fine distro we love to talk about. Thanks, Clem. Thanks, Clem. Thanks, Clem. This has been another episode of the Mintcast podcast. The show notes for this episode are at mintcast.org. You can send us email at mintcast at mintcast.org. You can find more information about Linux Mint at www.linuxmint.com. You can follow both Mintcast and Linux Mint on Twitter at Mintcast and at Linux underscore Mint. Thanks to Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com for our theme music. And thanks for listening to this episode of The Mintcast.